hi guys welcome back to star confessions i'm your host maddie leanne and this week we are here with jordan woods robison hello um, <laughs> i didn't know if i was supposed to talk i'm gonna talk hello um you find jordan on the walking dead the right stuff hunger games and loki and many other great projects jordan can you kind of talk about that a little bit for our listeners yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I grew up a musician, but then I went to school for theater um, and got Blue Man Group out of New York City. Um, and it wasn't until I moved to the Southeast that I started doing some film and TV projects. But uh, all of those projects that you mentioned, Walking Dead, Loki, uh, what else did you say? Solace, Hunger Games, all of that is here in the Southeast, which is really cool. So it's an opportunity to get out and go and work on some of those shows get some you know get get to get to stretch my muscles in a in different kind of way than than the the silent theatrical world that i was living in <laughs> yes awesome awesome we will touch bases on that like later on but okay. so the name of our podcast is star confessions so we're going to do two confessions one truth and one lie about yourself and you're going to let okay. the listeners kind of have to do some digging on you okay. to find what's the truth and what's the lie. Oh, fun. So okay. whatever you read. I'll give do that now. Sessions. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. And y'all, I got to tell you that I, um, I, I told Maddie, like, don't let me know what any of the questions are leading up to this. I want to be surprised. So you get to hear me on the, on the spot, tell two a truth, uh, a truth and a lie. Cause I have not. Um, I have not prepared anything here. Okay. So, um, one thing is that, uh, I was, uh, on a show with, um, it, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger before he was governor. Um, and so the show actually got canned, um, because he, I shot the pilot episode with him. I was supposed to have this like really cool you know, we had this great thing. It was actually, it was, it, it, it was parallel paralleling his life. I suppose that like he was an ex cop turned, you know, government official. And I was like the, I, I don't know, kind of quirky, like it sidekick guy, you know, like mm -hmm. campaign managers. I was just kind of his right hand man, but anyway, it was going to be this really cool project. Um, and, uh, and then he of course became governor and, his whole team was like, yeah, maybe this isn't the right opportunity to <laughs> release this. <laughs> we're not going to make fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger as a political official. So we're just going to can this whole thing. So that was a really cool, you know, uh, really cool experience getting to be a part of that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. So I, I don't know what else to say about that. So um, I will also say, Oh, what else am I going to say? I am also going to say that I, this is one of the things that I should have heard beforehand. I should have been yeah, like, hey. I really threw you on the spot with this one. <laughs> this is good. Everyone's sitting in their car, like biting their like, nails. Like oh. what's going to happen? Um, there was also a time that uh, I, um, so I mentioned that I was a, a young musician, that I was a musician growing up. Yes. Um, and there was a time when uh, I used to work at a place called Dixie Stampede, which is, um, it was in Tennessee. Um, and I worked there as a fiddle player. And there was a time when 
uh, Dolly Parton owned about 51% of the company. And so she came and visited all of us at Dixie Stampede. We all get a chance to take pictures with her. Um, and I was this like little freckle-faced 13-year-old with a rat tail. And uh, the picture that I got with Dolly was photobombed by another one of the musicians who was standing over Dolly's shoulder, staring into her cleavage with a <laughs> ridiculous look on his face. Um, Awesome. That's all I'll say about that. Let's see what people can find off of those two stories. There you go. We're going to have go. people sending in so many questions. Bring me back next time and I'll I'll do a better job at, at having oh. stories prepared. <laughs> those are good stories. Good stories. Thank you. Okay, Thank so you. let's moving into like the acting side. How old were you when you first started acting? This can be like film and TV acting. Okay. Okay. Okay, film and TV acting. Um, the first on-camera thing that I ever did, I was a freshman in college, and it was a uh, like a, a short story of Alice in Wonderland, and I played the Cheshire Cat, and it was fun, you know. But it was okay. totally like art school, like black and white, like <laughs> burning pieces of paper in a bathroom, and you're supposed to be like, "Whoa, that signified," and it's like, "No, I'm just <laughs> burning pieces, whatever." Um, but I, you know, one of the first legit things that I did was a show called Army Wives, um, and uh, that was after I moved to Florida when I was uh, with Blue Man Group. Um, but yeah, so I guess my first project I was a freshman in college, um, but first professional gig was Army Wives, and Richard Fudge was a casting was the casting director, um, and uh, that was up in South Carolina, which was a really cool opportunity to just like jump in, bite my teeth into it. Nice. How long did that audition process take for that one? Was it a quick audition process since it was your first one or was it very nerve wracking? That, you know, we hear stories all the time about like, sometimes you just got to be in the right place at the right time. Um, so what happened there? That's, that's actually, that's a great story. So I had met Richard maybe two months before he had been visiting Orlando um, his, uh, he's friends with my agent. And so my agent said, Hey, let me, get a couple actors together and you can meet them. And, and, you know, it, it's just another opportunity to meet people. Plus, you know, I think it helped Richard write off his expenses yeah. of traveling down to Orlando. He, he gets to meet with a couple actors and he gets to write everything off. It's perfect. Um, so anyway, I met with him. I did a scene there and, uh, and we, we, you know, uh, kicked off a little friendship. And then uh, it was a couple months later that I auditioned for army wives and, it was for this role. His name is Scott. Um, and then in parentheses, his nickname is Opie. So Scott Keller, but Scott Opie Keller. And uh, just he's a, a brand new IRS agent. And um, he's supposed to be like kind of naive. And I went in there and they were looking the the producers had convinced themselves that they were looking for someone from New York or for L.A. because this is a larger role. It was interacting with mm -hmm. some of the series regulars on the show. And they're like, no, no, we want to, we want to bring in a, a more experienced actor, right? Um, and Richard received my audition, and he was like, guys, you got to check this out, check out this audition. This is it. And the producers like, where's he from? And Richard said, he's in Orlando. And they said, no, 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 we want to find somebody from New York or LA. And Richard said, okay. And then they kept looking, and they were pulling their hair out. And Richard said, guys, you got to look at this guy. And they said, where's he from? And they said Orlando. And they're like, Ugh. 
And then they finally watch the tape and then they, they are like, yep, there he is. Bring him in. Right. And Rich was like, I told you the whole time he's right here. Um, and I don't mean that to discourage any, like I'm so everyone there was fantastic. They were great, great people. And it just goes to show that like, you never really know where you're going to find that person or, or how the job's going to find you. But as a result, that audition process took a little while because they weren't quite sure where they were going to find Opie. And they were looking at all these other tapes and they had to figure it out for themselves. But um, that was a good learning experience for me as an actor to say, okay, there are many decisions that go along with the yeah. casting process, you know, and it's great to have, if, if Richard hadn't been an ally of mine, if he hadn't been there to be like, guys, really check out this tape that that whole thing might've gone a very different direction. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have everyone in the industry, you know, really fighting for each other and, and, and paying attention and, and doing their best to, to cast these roles. Yeah. yeah. Connections go a long way in this industry. Absolutely. And do you think that like being LA based or new york based helps you in any other way or do you think that's kind of old school like what do you think about that oh my gosh that's a huge question um yeah no i mean and i have opinions right i'll share my opinions Mm -hmm. yeah um i think that depending on where you live in the um in the in the continental united states i think that uh, certain area codes or zip codes certainly have more clout than others. I think that an actor who is in LA inherently has a bit more trust than an actor who is in other locations, for example, you know? So I do, you know, and it, it might just be a bias, but I think there is some truth to that. Even, even if we're not thinking about trying to, trying to not think that way, I think it still comes through just a little bit. Right. Um, so that's, uh, that's part of it. But I also think that the the virtual self-taping, the the casting realm, that's one of the silver linings that came out of the last couple of years of um, fewer in-person auditions is that the casting process can cast a wider net and they can see more people and they can see people more efficiently and for uh, more cheaply. They don't. Uh, some casting directors don't have to rent out a space anymore. They can do everything through their computers. Oh. Now for actors, that's a, it's a double-edged sword. It means that, Hey, I might get to be seen for projects that I wouldn't have been considered before, but it also means that there are twice as many people being seen for that same role, you know? So, um, I, I think it's something that I know a lot of the, you know, the folks at SAG-AFTRA and a lot of casting directors and a lot of folks in the industry are taking all of that into consideration, um, when trying to figure this out. And ultimately I think you find the right person eventually, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a help and a hindrance, uh, okay. depending on where you live and also depending on the, you know, if you're doing a virtual self tape. Awesome. Okay. Now, now jumping around, yeah. we're going to talk about from book from tape. I kind of said that in a mouthful right there. Let's talk about <laughs> book from tape. Jordan, you do own your own acting studio. Can you tell our audience kind of what you do there and like what you help people do and get into the industry? Yeah, absolutely. So I know we get... We get books on tape. We get book on tape. We get like and and so and a lot of people think of like audiobooks and stuff, but the name book from tape is uh, the term like you know when an actor books a project, that's what we call it. Hey, you booked it, you know. And so we're book from tape. You booked from your self tape. So I know it's a lot, but people outside the industry are always like, so what do you what do you do there? You do audio recordings, <laughs> you know. Um, 
So yeah, book from tape is our goal is to provide actors with the tools that they need to book directly from their audition self tape, which is happening more and more often these days. Callbacks are rare. Um, in-person auditions are rare. Like it's it, it, you, you turn something in and you either book it or you don't. That is the majority, right? There are exceptions, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so we're providing, we started off just providing audition coaching. I mean, audition taping um, in my house. Uh, we had to expand my house because we were having a second child and I was going to lose my studio space and our office and all. And my wife was um, going to get her master's. So we're like, we need another room. So we, we added some stuff on. Um, and I just started taping people's auditions at my house. Um, and that was lovely. And then that turned into doing some coaching and then that turned into multiple locations. And now we do um, so in addition to audition taping and coaching, we also do group classes and we do them virtual or in person. Um, and we also um, uh, offer headshots to local actors. And uh, the, we've also offered websites and reels and stuff in the past. But the goal is to to continue fueling actors with all of those things, leveling up your game in all these different areas where you can be a self-tape master. Oh, hey, that, that's a thing too. I've also <laughs> created Masters of Self-Taping, <laughs> Masters, which is an online course where um, you can go and anybody, it's a self-guided course and people can learn the ins and outs of, of perfecting, not per, that's a, you know, I'm not going to use that word. That's got air quotes crafting. on it, but really crafting, strengthening your self-tape setup technically but then also deepening your craft. What it, It's a different muscle to be an auditioner than it is to be an actor. And it, you know, it, being on set and being in a self-tape and being in an in-person audition are all different muscles. Um, and so just like, a, just like an athlete, just like a dancer, just like anyone who practices different instruments or different languages, uh, these are all different things that, that we're going through and helping curate because we, we want actors to keep being their own bosses and to keep booking, you know, that's, that's our goal. Yeah. My very first, no, not my very first, my second audition was with Jordan at Your his second. house. And I remember being so scared and Jordan, you just like walked me through the whole process. I've been going to Jordan from book from tape for like two years now. Yeah. And I feel like I've just grown so much as an actor getting out of yeah. my show. Like I Absolutely. love going to your studio. Thank you, Maddie. I love having you. What is what is your what was your first audition or your second audition that you did here? Do you remember? Um, I don't even remember what it was. Okay, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna check. I keep I keep archives of everything, so I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna find it. But I remember like I was so scared. It was something about like a lunch table or something like that. Okay. I remember being so scared because (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing at all. Well. I, I agree that you have you have grown so much. And part of, you know, I know we actually talked about this once for a while, but like one of the main things about being an actor is being able to tap into that vulnerability and to mm-hmm. be able to, and as a, as a social media influencer, like there is so much of that helps build this, like, hey, everything's perfect. Everything's great, right? Which is directly the opposite of, so being able to have both of balance. these muscles, being, yeah, being able to have that yeah. balance, like, you can go into the world of like, everything's great, everything's perfect, I'm ready to go. But then you also know that you can strip that away when you need to and be able to be vulnerable and be able to be human and a person and flawed and everything else once you start to explore these characters. I, you know, I, I applaud you for pursuing both sides of that. Thank you. With your help. Yeah. Actually. 
Yeah. Okay. So if you can give one tip to any new actor coming in, what would you say? Mm. That's That's a big question. Okay. Here's the first thing that came to mind, and it's partially because we just talked about this, but it's also yeah. partially from uh, when I was training to be a blue man. Uh, one of the one of the directors gave me some of the best advice from training, and and he said that this. So a, a blue man, one of the trickiest things about being a blue man is that uh, they're innocent. They they don't have preconceived notions of what's about to happen. They are they're constantly curious and constantly ready to like walk toward the flame, you know. <laughs> And um, he said, the sooner that you can start to practice that in real life, the sooner it's going to be there for you when you're a blue man. And that is such a truth for actors as well, probably for just about anything. But the sooner that as an actor, you can start to grant yourself forgiveness for not being perfect day to day, the sooner that you can um, practice that vulnerability of, it doesn't mean that you have to walk into like a Walmart and start sobbing in the middle of the cereal aisle, but it means that you're allowed to feel you're allowed to wake up. And yesterday you might've been at a hundred percent, but today you're at 30% and you don't have to add on to that. You don't have to apologize for that. You can be accepting of that. And that will incur that will continue to uh, that will continue to be there when you start to uh, attack attack when you start to approach these characters and when you start to get on set you know one of the things that we're doing as actors is creating the illusion that all of this is happening to us for the first time and one of the best ways that we can really start to allow for that is to go day to day allowing for whatever whatever you're going through right now is okay and it's okay it's it's okay if it sucks it's okay if it's great it's okay if you think it's never going to end it's okay if you never want it to end all of those are true and it might change day to day but being true to who you are and following your impulse trusting your gut i think that's the main thing i'd say and i know that's not a black and white answer like some people might see like get into some group classes you know like maybe yeah. uh, whatever I think that if you trust your gut, you'll know what that next step is. Maybe your next step is to get into some group classes. Maybe your next step is to watch some YouTube videos. Maybe your next step is to to sign with a or to to um to enroll with a private coach and start paying lots of money, right? Yeah. Everybody's going to have a slightly different take on this. Um and that's okay, but trust your gut because the sooner that you're true to yourself, the sooner that you'll be able to be true to those characters. All right. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Hopefully that was like a with it. Clip. <laughs> All right. I want to jump into the Blue Man group a little bit. You haven't yeah. really touched bases on that. What is your favorite memory from being in the Blue Man group? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is, it's not, it, it, it's not the best thing that happened because it was actually a, a low point in my career as a Blue Man, <laughs> but it was hilarious to me. Um, have you seen the show, Maddie? No. No. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. I'm really bad at like watching things. No, that's, you know, and that's probably good. We don't, we don't need to have TV on and stuff all the time. Like there are other things to do in life. Um, uh, But uh, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to make it a little bit more general, but there's a part of the show that's called feast, which is where the three blue men go into the audience and we pick a truly 
truly unsuspecting person. Like our goal is actually to find someone who has never seen the show before. And there are certain, by looking at body language, by, uh, by checking, you know, by checking a couple things, we can usually tell silently, non-verbally how a person's going to be when we bring them up on stage. But we go in, we, we find someone, we bring them up and then we proceed to have dinner with them on stage and we serve them Twinkies and we, uh, yeah, it's a great dinner. And um, but that that piece feast was always my favorite part of the show because you never knew what was gonna happen. It was like one of the truest versions of the show when you had you literally had a wild card on stage, someone that you're hoping doesn't know what's gonna happen next, and you're both just riffing off each other. Um, I had a woman uh kiss me once. I had a woman who came to the show in her bathrobe and slippers, and we brought her up on stage. Um, I had a woman who screamed at a certain moment and like flailed her arms out and backhanded me, <laughs> like full, oh. full backhand. And this is the this is the story that I was going to tell. She backhanded me, and I there's a wall behind us, and I like fell off my stool, hit the wall, and fell down to the floor. And we uh, there's the table. If you're behind the table, no one can see you. And so I was down on the floor behind the table, cackling because I couldn't believe that I'd just been backhanded when this woman screamed. Um, and that was one of the, that was one of the trickier parts. The one of the trickier things of feast is that if anyone starts to giggle, which you're not allowed to do as a blue man, you're not allowed to laugh. You know, we have to stay oh. we have to stay stoic the whole time. And so if anyone starts to smile or giggle, it usually becomes contagious. And so that was one of the hardest things that night was getting back up on my stool after cackling on the floor and willing myself to not even break a smile. Um, again, not the high point of my career, but one of my favorite memories just because it was so... I don't know. It was it was the equivalent of like, you know, those dreams when you go to school and you're not wearing any pants or you show up on stage and you don't know your lines. Oh. Right. Whatever those dreams. It was the yeah. equivalent of that. Where like I am a blue man on stage laughing <laughs> with my teeth out. And then I have to like stand in front of everyone and pretend that everything's fine. <laughs> and then, Yeah. Like, <laughs> Who was that laughing? Not me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it must have been that guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I could not do that. I'd be like shaking, like trying to keep the laughter in. Everybody has, all of the blue men have a slightly different way of controlling it. Some guys will will like start blowing air out their nose really fast. Some guys will like chew and, and put their tongue around inside their mouth, which kind of relaxes the muscles. Some guys will just turn around and start looking at the back wall and get really interested oh. in, oh, what, what's going on back here? Oh. You know, so it it all... Uh, everybody has a slightly different way. I was always of the mindset that I was like, if I'm going to smile, I'm going to allow myself to smile a little bit and then like, let it pass. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be true to it. I'm not going to like try to change my body language or anything. I'm going to, I'm going to smile and then I'm going to let it go. You know, but yeah, that was, that was always a fun part of the show when, when you saw okay, the so other actors. Yeah. Your onset memory mm -hmm. from like film and TV, what would your favorite memory be for that? Oh my gosh. I know it's so many days to think about. It's, no, it's good. One of my, okay. So probably one of the more meaningful moments for me was I had just booked Walking Dead and I booked it the day before I booked it on a Wednesday 
And they said, you have to be in Atlanta on Thursday by 4 p.m. And I was like, okay, I live seven hours away and I have to work tonight. So this will be a thing. Um, but we made it work. And um, the first one, the moment I showed up on set, the first person I met was Norman Reedus, who uh, plays Daryl on The Walking Dead. And um, and he walked up and he said, hey, you're Jordan, right? And I was like, yeah. And he said, you're playing Eric. And I said, yeah. And he said, welcome to the family. And he gave me a big hug. And that was just such a... I don't know. As an actor, it's it's daunting to show up on a set. It's daunting to show up knowing that you're just like filling in one of the final pieces of the puzzle. Like mm -hmm. everyone else has been here for a while, you know, years yeah. maybe. Um, everyone there knows where they fit. And you're just like, okay, I don't even know if I have to go to the bathroom. Where's the bathroom? Right. It, it's a yeah. it's a it can be daunting, but to have that support and that that welcome the moment that I showed up was probably, and that, that continued like, and then I met Andy, uh, Andrew Lincoln. And here's a guy that he's a number one on a show uh, one, at the time, the most popular show in in the world. I don't remember in, in America, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, and he's, he's the kind of guy that like, he met my wife and talked to her and she was pregnant. And then he saw her a year later and was like, hey, how you doing? You know, like, how's how's the baby doing? What's going on? Like, just picked up the same conversation. And that was true with so many people on that show that they really were just attentive and kind and caring. And that's such an amazing thing when when you're an actor or yeah. going into any new community and trying to find your place in that community. So I'd say that's one of my one of my top picks of memories. Awesome. All right. So we are running towards the end of this podcast. Cool. I'm gonna do a speed round. Okay. So I'm going to give you two things and you just pick one. Okay. Are right, you ready? Mm -hmm. Sweet or spicy? Sweet. Cake or cupcakes? Cake. Ice cream or popsicles? Ice cream. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. Dogs or cats? Dogs. City or country? Country. Flying or driving? Flying. Instagram or TikTok? Oh, TikTok. Board games or video games? Board games. Watching TV or playing sports? Watching TV. Messy or tidy? Messy. Calling or texting? Texting. All right, that's the end of it. I did it! <laughs> you made it through! <laughs> right? All right, well, that's the end of it. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with Star Confessions. Yeah. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Yes. So um, we mentioned, I'll start with Book From Tape. We mentioned Book From Tape. Um, you can find us at Book From Tape on all of the socials and also at bookfromtape.com. Um, and then uh, I also mentioned Masters of Self-Taping. That is self-taping.com or um, on TikTok and Instagram at self-taping. And then lastly, uh, my website is my name, jordanwoods-robinson.com. And most of my socials are through the website. So if you go to the website, you'll find that. But um, I think my uh, my Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff are at the initial J Woods Robinson. Awesome. Thank you. And you can find me at Maddie underscore Lee underscore Ann. And you can find this podcast at Star Confessions underscore podcast. <laughs>